You know, history, history, fate. I'm going to go with fate. Fate, whether you believe in it or not, has a funny way of, <laughs> uh, it's just like playing itself out. Like, I feel like since the inception of this podcast, <laughs> I have on several occasions, anytime we've talked about theater experiences or we've talked about 3D movies in, in theaters or or what have you, mm. um, I have always brought up that two experiences <laughs> that I had, one being uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park, the re-release right. of Jurassic Park in 3D, Yep. And uh, the re-release of Titanic in 3D, which mm. I saw, jeez, uh, it would be 11 years ago now, in sure. 2012, right? It, it was commemorating the the 100th anniversary of the incident, mm. of the disaster. Uh, and I've always said that those were like those were the most incredible. Like you don't like you don't understand if if you've if you have an opinion about 3D movies in theaters, but you have not seen one of these films that ha has been gone back and like frame by frame converted into 3D and, and given the love and attention it deserves to do it really well, mm -hmm. then, then your opinion of 3D, while fair based on the information that you have, is also not 100% informed mm. because it's like... It's it's a it's just an entirely different experience, mm -hmm. and when I told you about these things, um, Titanic being the more amazing of the two, mm -hmm. from my recollection, um, it was always kind of like I always not sad, but there was there was like a little bit of like somberness to it because it's like well, I don't know that they're ever going to do that again, right? That was, <laughs> it was like for the hundredth anniversary of Titanic. Right. And, Blah blah blah. Like you know, it's mm -hmm. just like I'm. I'm telling you about this amazing thing, um, and it's so wonderful. And I got. I wish you could have. I Been wish there. you could have experienced it because it was right. amazing. Um, right. And then here we are. Hello and welcome. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. I am Peter. The Sad was sad, but now happy. Co-host of mine is Brady, but is sick. I am sick, but so if sick. I sound, you know, yeah, like you know, <laughs> getting over the. I I mean, I recently spent hours fighting for my life in the northern Atlantic. So that's <laughs> it's you know, a couple of sniffles are expected to be, you know, right. expected to be present. Yes, yes, we are here today to talk the twenty fifth anniversary of titanic and you may you the listener may ask why we're here today to talk about the 25th anniversary of titanic because if you're asking, you that's why <laughs> if you're asking that question you're not familiar with brady and i both with the fact that we've reviewed the Titanic film, which was episode 50, where Emily Mater joined us. We geeked out God, for two hours about it. Episode but since 50. Episode 50. And, but even then, after we've reviewed it, we, it comes up quite frequently, both the disaster, both the film, and James Cameron. Um, Over yeah, 200 it, episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, then it was time, time anyways. I mean. It was time. 
and listen, I got I got a sound clip. The audio from episode fifty was not great. That was pre- shut your mouth. No, it it's wasn't echoey, any, isn't it? It's not any fault of yours. This was a a we had three people to two mics, so that was a difficulty. We were and recording B, on potatoes. We didn't have and, well, and B, yeah, this was pre like legitimate podcast mics, legitimate podcast setup. Like these were entry level mics, not the greatest, not a great. I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure it was a potato with a wire coat hanger, and <laughs> that's that's what I was using. And, and I wonder why none of my fight. one of none of my audio made the episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But here, listen to this, listen to this. It's going to be awkwardly bad just because of the format, but hear me out. I, I am, the next time it goes in theaters, whether it be 3D or just any... I, 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 re- I recommend it highly. So yeah. I saw it in, uh, I've told you this, I saw yeah. it in 3D yeah. in, during a re-release. Mm-hmm. And it was the most incredible 3D experience I've ever seen. That's interesting. Jurassic Park was a close second. So they, had, they did a 3D re-release of Jurassic Park. And that was really cool. I'm still sad. Uh, I don't know why Emily's saying she's still sad. But the point is, three years ago, 200 episodes ago, you planted that seed. And now that seed has grown into a giant plant. And we're here to harvest that plant, dissect it, and share it with you, the listener. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is, this past weekend, uh, Pete and I both hopped in our vehiculars and Mm. made the trek to a theater and uh, and watched together, mm-hmm. which also, this is the first, it, it's also <laughs> worth, is this like the first movie we've seen in a theater together since Joker? Yes, we, we crossed the bridge of watching Pre-pandemic. a movie together, which was um, with Carl when we did Face Off, but that was not in a theater. No. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez, man, that felt yeah. good. It just, I, something about yeah. it just like, I don't know, it just felt good. Well, um, it was fitting too. It wasn't just like, here we are watching, you know. Cocaine Bear. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Cocaine Bear's out. It's time to, time to break the shackles of, of COVID-19 and just, because uh, <laughs> right. it's worth it. It's worth the risk. You know, it's like whatever, whatever happens, let it yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I listen. I was I was so 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 pumped, um, and actually there was there's a number of people who weren't able to make mm-hmm. it. It just ended up being you and me, um, yep. and so actually I think in a couple of days it's still playing. So I think in a couple of days um, I'm going to try to get another another group of people together and, oh, and go. So. That's so funny because last night I was actually looking up showtimes at a more local theater, offering it in 3D, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder if my wife would go again because I'd probably go see it again." Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially because it's like it's just one of those. It's one of those things where, like, you know, like I've got I've got the Titanic Blu-ray sitting on my shelf. I mm. can pop Titanic in and watch it anytime, any day of the week, and and I do every day of the week. Mm. And <laughs> as you should, as I, you know, and in, and so can really any of the people who are wanting to go see it as well. Like, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's Titanic. Isn't one of those like, Oh, if we don't see it now, we got to wait, you know, three months for it to come out on. Like we have it, we have good quality copies of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's the 3d, yep. which sounds so bizarre because it's like, 3D movies have always kind of been 
a little novelty, a little mm-hmm. tacky, a little, you know, it, it not necessarily something that really enhances a movie experience. And no, also bizarre because normally, normally, at least for me, the 3D thing sort of detracts from me the too. experience. Yep. But also, it's bizarre that, like... Of all the movies that you would go, <laughs> does this need some sort of enhancement? Does right. it need, do I want, is this a film that I would want to apply this novelty to? Mm, My yeah. answer off the street, having not experienced it, uh, like a right. hundred times would be no. <laughs> no, don't wreck it. Don't don't right. give me some. I don't need shit popping out at me. I don't need. It's Titanic. Leave it alone. Right. It's it's okay. Initial impression. Here's my initial impression. Sure. It is the superior way to watch this film, <laughs> and it's bizarre. It's to me the fact that I'm saying that. The fact that I've weighed whether or not I truly believe that. The fact that I've weighed what that means is bizarre. Um, that th- that's the conclusion. It's bizarre to me that that's the conclusion I'm arriving at, which is that this is, it, you know, part of it is is just the theater. Like watching it on the big mm. screen is definitely yep. the way to watch this movie. But sure. again, the 3D conversion <laughs> is so good and done in such a tasteful way that nothing. There's there's no moment except for maybe once or twice when there's like a splash of water and the Mm. splash kind of comes towards the camera a little bit. Sure. Aside from that, there's no moment where you have the popping out at you effect. Yeah. It's always a, and I've described this, this film in this way several times, but I having watched it again recently, I think it holds up. Mm -hmm. It's literally like they've, cut a big screen-sized hole in the side of the theater, mm, yeah. and what you're watching is actually happening right mm, there. Like, it's, it's right. not popping out at you in a cheesy, tacky way. It's, no. it's, it's like a window has been opened into this film, mm. and it's just suddenly so much more immersive, it's so much more tangible, it's so much more... Uh, and we'll get into that. We'll get into what effect that has on certain moments of the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's uh, my initial impression is this is the best way to see this film. We didn't Ugh. see it. It wasn't played on an IMAX screen. And that's, oh. I think simply just because Ant-Man yeah. is also out right now. Um, but man, I wish. Oh, but so that, I think that would be the only thing to top it. That sure. or in like an ultra AVX Dolby, oh. like it, just, just, enhanced image (laughs) or enhanced audio or whatever, right? Like, it's it's Titanic. There were no moments in this movie where I thought it was too quiet. Mm -hmm. But because it's Titanic, because it is what it is, and it's the music Mm -hmm. that it is, and it's it's the action that it is, uh, pretty much the whole time, I I was like, this could be, for my liking, this could be twice as loud. Mm -hmm. This This could be... You know, when the ship cracks, I'd be okay if the bass rumbled my seat a little because it's yeah, just, it's, it's, right. It just, I really want to like feel like I'm in it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is this is 3D Titanic. My initial impression is that 3D Titanic is actually superior to non-3D Titanic. And if you have not seen it in 3D, you're, there's an aspect to this film that you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are your initial impressions? Okay, yeah. I, I think I want to touch on one thing I found interesting when I watched some reviews about the 3D experience is if maybe playing in Titanic's hand was the fact that it was filmed before the 3D experience. So yeah. the fact that it doesn't lean into that like modern day 3D experiences to to your point of, you know, it's not every second scene there's water splashing in your face and, you know. Let's, let's have him aim his gun towards the camera so that <laughs> right. it pops out in the 3D. Yeah. Exactly. And I think because Titanic is so subtle in its 3D conversion, it's richer because of it. And someone made that point, and I'm like, I completely can get behind that. But my initial impression... It just adds depth. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, even in even in conversations where you've mm-hmm. got the out-of-focused foreground back of the head and shoulder of someone who's having a conversation, you can just right. feel the depth between the two people having that conversation. You can feel the physical distance between them. Right. Yeah. Um... But yeah, great underlying film, obviously, so that helps. But the 3D experience, the, the, the 4K experience, amazingly fun. Um, what, a, what a hoot that was. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun because you primed me for some of your favorite 3D moments. And when they came, I thought they were great. I enjoyed them, but my 3D moments were different. Favorite 3D moments were different than your 3D moments. I... Adored the most lull kind of chill scenes where I f- literally felt like I was in the Titanic. So specifically, there were scenes in the dining room, specifically of a group of women having tea. And I wasn't even really paying too much to their dialogue and to the characters because I've never seen it on such a large screen and in such high resolution. I was actually drawn in by things going on outside of this group of characters i was looking at like the decorative ceiling i was looking at the decorative doors in the background you know lobbymen opening doors for people like again to speak to james cameron's you know incredible set design and everything being accurate and then also the 4k resolution that you don't lose anything and something being grainy or kind of awkward i literally felt like i was in this room like you said kind of a hole in the concrete but there, and that's how I, that those are my favorite scenes because I felt like I was immersed in like the the quiet moments of this ship. Um, but yeah, initial impressions, great, great, great time. I always forget. I I was reminded this week, and I always forget it. I forget that James Cameron is a Canadian. He's an Ontarian. I always yeah. forget that. Yeah, and I'm always surprised. My only initial impression here is: say you have a friend who's in a relationship. Okay. And you you love your friend as a friend and you go, you know, friend, there's nothing wrong about the relationship you're in, but it, you know, maybe that partner isn't elevating you or that partner isn't bringing the best out of you or maybe the time you're putting into that relationship just really isn't fruitful. Like you're you're a, not as good of a person as a result of this relationship and maybe it's just not right for you. Right. I Went back to my notes from Avatar 2, 
And I looked and I gave it a five out of 10. After watching Titanic, I was reminded of the absolute masterpiece capability that James Cameron is capable of. And now I cannot just, I can't even believe I gave Avatar 2 a five out of 10. (laughs) I want to defund Avatar. I want to fund Titanic 3D IMAX wreckage documentaries and just channel James Cameron's partnerships in different directions. But regardless, um, that's my initial impression. Something I'll raise a question for you later on uh, that I'll lead some leading questions to and get to like a fundamental question about Titanic and specifically its 25th anniversary. But just to wrap up my initial impression, it's just such a fascinating concept that we're watching a movie that if you felt like you've seen it before, you absolutely have because there's like, I don't mean this in a real derogatory way, but there's nothing too original about it. Essentially, like it's a story that's, been done before like a romance and it's a disaster that's been done before yeah but man is there something unique about it and we'll delve into that a bit later but um, i I think i the way i would say it is i think that all of the all of the ingredients to, to this film are ingredients that you've had before in other dishes sure but something something about the way this was baked something about <laughs> You know, yeah. like just the, the the decision to combine these ingredients in the mm-hmm. way and in the order that they are, mm-hmm. that's that's what really makes it sing. And um, I think maybe, and like I'm not even commenting on any specific decision making processes in the making of this film, but I think sometimes you just have to have luck break your way too, where you maybe go on a hunch of picking a certain actor over another and it works out based on a gut feeling or, you know, just the climate of interest and, in, you know, like just things sometimes have to break. Not that hard work wasn't behind it, but also you have to have a bit of luck on your side too for those ingredients to really work. Yeah. Yeah, and the it re, really like the way it's cast is is phenomenal. It right? is like Kate Winslet is fantastic in her she role. She is. Yep. Uh, and it's funny because if you if you go back, it, like if you look at interviews of her going back and talking about her performance in Titanic, she mm. finds it incredibly cringeworthy. Like she's not at all proud. Of I that did see something about that recently. She's and proud do you think of the movie. Some, well. Oh, yeah. Do you think some of that is just... Do you think a lot of actors are like that, where they look at their own performance and they go, you know... Mm. Or do you think it's unique to this specific Ye- example? No, I would think it's probably... It's probably pretty common mm. that that's... Yeah, I would say it's probably pretty common that that's how sure. that plays out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got Kate Winslet's fantastic. Obviously, Leo... Yes. Younger, like in his career, younger Leo. Yep. He's fantastic. Uh, Billy Zane. Billy Zane is Cal Hockley. Like he just really, and it's amazing because anyone, again, if you watch interviews, you read stuff, Billy Zane's like one of the nicest guys. Right. Like he's such a sweetheart. Right. But he, the way he plays, like uh, you uh, never in a movie or any piece of literature, have you cheered or really rooted for a character as much when they hork a loogie in another character's face? There's never been a moment where you're like, yeah, that was that could not have been more deserved. 
Never, never in the history of cinema has uh, have audiences cringed so much so much at the line of, "I have a child." Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah, um, Kathy Bates is Molly Brown. Yeah, you know, is I'm not too familiar with Kathy Bates outside of this, and she rocks this. I'm just not familiar with a whole. Yeah, lot of I mean, work. she's in Misery. She's the the Stephen mm-hmm. King thing. She was in I Made You Watch um, about Schmidt, which was the, oh yeah, oh she was right? in that. She's in. She's the one that gets naked in the hot tub. With oh right, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's in a bunch of things. Um, sure. Francis Fisher as as Rose's mother, Ruth. So, I, you know, if we had had this conversation in episode 50, I would have been like, ho-hum, she's fine, and moving on. But coincidentally, I, I not recently, it was a bit ago, I was talking about this with friend of the show, Andrew, and she pointed out her um, role specifically. And I've now come to realize how incredible that actor was in bringing alive Rose's mother because I forget that that is an actor. Like she, it just comes across as such a stoic stone cold, you know, not bureaucratic, but um, uh, aristocrat. uh, Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, you know, you very minimally understand where she's come from, coming from, but mostly you're just kind of building up this animosity against her going, my gosh, like I understand the dramatic, like the, disadvantages you face as a woman at the time being single and if you have no fortune but at the same time like you're ruining your daughter's life and you know I never in all the years I've watched this film I've never considered her an actor I've always just realized that this thought this in my mind this character was just uh, brought to life and my long-winded point is yes Francis Fisher rocks this role and I feel like it's an under the radar role that just is there and you realize yes this is not only important but well done yeah oh for sure uh, Gloria Stewart as old Rose. Yeah. Like, so she's 86 or 87 at the time that she films this. She's, she's sure. playing 101 year old Rose. Yeah. Um, and I was watching an interview lately. She passed away in 2010. Um, right. At like a hundred and yeah. A hundred years old or 102 or. So I'm looking. Yeah. So she was close to being 101, which was. Yeah. In the movie, what's view was yeah, and um, and what was amazing was so she was cast before Kate Winslet was cast. Interesting. And when she found out that Kate Winslet was cast, she mm. said to James Cameron, "She says I need to meet her." Um, <gasps> and James said, oh, "Okay, yeah, sure. They're like, it's not a problem, but why? Why?" And Gloria Stewart said, "Because I need to. I want to see her." her body language i want to see her mannerisms i want because i'm playing her she's not playing Mm. me and so they like they hung out together and Mm. like cracked a bottle of champagne and just sat and (sighs) drank and had fun and 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 she learned like how to how to play the the version of rose that kate winslet was going to play just you know some 80 years later Hmm. so that was that was incredible um, That's an incredible story. Just getting that image of them just hit like chatting it off just to yeah. prepare. But just so many, I mean, so many incredible moments too from Gloria Stewart. Like at this point in the game, Gloria Stewart, um, she started acting 
in the late 20s. Wow. Right? So she was around for a really long time, had a yep. big career through 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and then for a long time, like, would occasionally come out of retirement to do mm. some acting. So this mm-hmm. isn't this movie is like, it's not even like, like, I'm curious here. If I pull up prior to Titanic, mm. so she was in Titanic in 1997, the, the thing that she was in, most recently before that was in 1989. Hmm. So it's not even like she's like practicing and honing her craft every day. No. But she's amazing in this. Right. Amazing. So many great moments. There's the, obviously there's the, it's been 84 years line. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. the, the moment that gives me chills. And it's a combination of the writing, her delivery, and the musical cue that happens immediately after but her Mm. phone conversation with brock lovett oh yeah where he goes you know i was just curious mr lovett have you found the heart of the ocean yet which really catches him off guard because as Mm -hmm. we find out shortly after everybody who's supposed to know about this diamond's existence is either dead or on that boat as a part of their expedition it's not like some big you know whatever so And Rose was smart enough to know, okay, these are treasure hunts. She knew right away this is <laughs> yeah, this is the significance. It. This is, you know, they're not they're not gushing over a a, a drawing of seventeen year old naked me. They're <laughs> gushing over the diamond that's around my neck. Right. And and so he says, Okay, you have my attention, Rose. Can you tell me who the woman in the drawing is? And she says, mm. Oh yes. The woman in the drawing is me. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's just such a good delivery. But my favorite Rose moment, this is something I pointed out to you, mm-hmm. and you had missed it, but then you went back like two days ago yeah. with your DVD <laughs> copy and and just kind of cherry-picked through and watched pieces. Of um, note, of note, man, what a to go from 4K 3D to not even Blu-ray, Blu-ray but to DVD was a real drop-off as oh, far for as sure. resolution. For sure. Um, but there's this moment when, you know, Brock is, ex- you know, they, Rose has first arrived on the Calvish and they're, they're talking to her about like, you know, they're going over the history or the, the simu- uh, like an animated simulation of like how the sinking happened and all this stuff. And, and then they sort of explain to her the history of the heart of the ocean, that it was, you know, King Louis wore it, and then when he was beheaded, the, the, it went missing, and blah, blah, blah. And then they outline their paper trail, which is that there was a an insurance claim made <laughs> the day after, you know, blah, 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 from mm-hmm. Mr. Hawk, like Hockley Sr., Cal, right. Cal's dad. Um, <laughs> and... So and and they say so like combined with the date of when the insurance claim was made and mm. the fact that the the portrait that shows her wearing it is dated the same day as the sinking mm-hmm. he says so it mu- so it has had to have gone down with the ship mm-hmm. and and there's just this like blink and you miss it moment where old rose Kind of like it doesn't even like. I don't think a smirk is the right. She kind of smirks, but she kind of like shoots her eyes off to the side. Like I know something you don't know. 
do I do I disclose this? Like it's almost yeah. like she's she has a momentary yep. decision she's making about okay, not yet. Now you know it's not the it's, right time yet. It's the equivalent of like when someone might start saying something, then change their, changes their mind and like <clears throat> tickles their throat a little bit. Like yeah. you know, in the you see the instantaneous change in decision. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So and I, I've I've to just. Uh, piggyback on what you're saying i like you said i've watched this movie for 25 years now never noticed it watched it the other night and i let out a little smirk going what a fun little moment oh it's so good it's so good um moving on we have bill paxton as brock lovett i you know this isn't a standout role for bill paxton um but it's still you know there's nothing it's bill paxton it's always great to see bill paxton on yeah i mean it's a little heavy-handed, and I, I don't think that's even his fault, but, you know, he's written to kind of emphasize the, the flaws at the beginning of, you know, being kind of extra careless about what he's doing, to then at the end to learn something. So sometimes I felt like his lines were a little heavy-handed, and maybe that's more the writing. But right. again, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't think it's the standout role of the film. No, for sure. Um, Bernard Hill as Captain Smith. Uh, not only is Bernard Hill fantastic and obviously goes on to be King Fade and sure. a couple years later, yeah. um, he, if you look at like, <laughs> if you look at historical pictures of what Edward James Smith looked like, oh, yeah, it's, it's eerie. Yeah. It's, it's eerie <laughs> how perfect yeah. that casting was, but mm-hmm. also just like, what an incredible performance. Like at the start of the mm-hmm. film- Prior to the sinking, he doesn't have a lot to do. He's mostly there for exposition. He's mostly there to have conversations with Bruce Ismay, to Mm. have conversations about not wanting to light the the final boilers, not wanting to do this, to talk about the speed. They're kind of just like laying the ground. But once, but literally from the scene where uh Bruce Ismay and um and Captain Smith and Thomas Andrews and I think maybe first officer Murdoch is in on this meeting as well mm. um when they're looking at the schematics and 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 Mr. Andrews basically you know makes it painfully clear like mm-hmm. we have about an hour maybe two mm-hmm. right like this it will sink and what a great line he's like what this ship can't sink she's made of iron sir <laughs> I assure you she can. <laughs> like it's 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 yes, yes, she can sink. Um from that moment on, all of all of Bernard Hill's moments of like just the weight of the situation mm-hmm. that's that's bearing down on him. And there's one fantastic oh. moment where he's like he's just kind of not mindlessly, but just in this like in this daze and he's kind of wandering the deck of the ship and he looks down one set of stairs and it's like flooding and someone like a second or third class passenger comes up with a child and says, you know, Capitan, Capitan, what should I do? And he, he doesn't, he just doesn't even acknowledge her and he kind of turns away and, and wanders off. And it's, it's, I, I think a lesser a lesser interpretation of that scene would be oh what a dick but that's not mm. what it is no, no it's it's a combination of 
he may not even he may not have even comprehended what she was saying like he may not yeah. even have really heard her mm-hmm. even though she's right in front of him and and two is there's no good response he can give her no like he he understands He's he's weighing this situation. He's looking at her. She's a third class passenger. There's already X many lifeboats out there at this point in the game. Blah blah blah. He mm. he's looking at a woman and a and a baby, knowing that Ugh. they're that they're dead, Ugh. and that he just like yeah. <laughs> the fact that the fact that he gets put in a position where he's able to take his own life and hasn't like mm. had an aneurysm up until this point is incredible because he's just so grief strucken with, Mm. (laughs) with responsibility. And, you know, even though it's not, if, if it is in some part his fault, it's not Mm -hmm. like he can't be solely blamed for this situation. He wasn't even, he wasn't, yes, he ordered the final boiler being let and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And there's other historical things that the film doesn't touch about touch on, sure. like decisions that were made and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah no, in, incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, and I think, and just piggybacking on that, yeah, like it's, I think there's definitely as this film shows with the portrayal of that character, there's guilt just being involved in a having a hand in decisions that were made. You know, he yeah. didn't he didn't design the ship, or he didn't decide to remove lifeboats in its designation or he didn't like actively lose binoculars or like all those things that you listed that or we didn't list but you could list of things that went wrong to make this perfect storm he still had a hand in it and therefore we see this character that's just horrified that even though he was one of the many players he was still a player involved in creating what happened or at least being in charge while it happened and he's also very experienced like he's a decorated yeah. ship captain right like something in the film i think there's one kind of throwaway line that does express this mm. but like in two days when they arrive in new york right he's retired he's walking off into the sunset this is his last he's like as his send off for his his wonderful career that he's had he's mm-hmm. been given the honor of captaining the maiden voyage of this incredible new world news making ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. The, the, the final casting that I want to touch on specifically mm-hmm. is Victor Garber as Thomas Andrews, like Canadian content alert. Yes. And Victor Garber is good no matter what, but it's mm-hmm. just like, I, especially like his interactions with Rose Mm-hmm. He's like, oh my, you know, young Rose or my my sweet Rose, right? Like he's he's just this mm-hmm. like he's the one guy related to the ship. Like Captain Smith is a is a fairly straight shooter, but he's also under the influence of Bruce Ismay, and oh, yeah. he's you know he's kind of we don't really get to see a lot of you know, inside stuff from, from Captain Smith. Bruce Ismay is a total, he's just after the headline, right? Yep. Like he didn't design the ship. He didn't engineer mm-hmm. the ship. He didn't build the ship. He is legitimately <laughs> just a passenger. Right. He is just a passenger. Um, and that's it. He says, do you have any idea who I am? And he says, yes, you're a passenger on a ship and I'm, <laughs> I'm Lulz. an officer. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
he literally just like had the idea for it and named mm-hmm. it like that that is his claim to this um he's he's a he's a ship tycoon he's a a, a mm-hmm. mogul right yeah um so he's a he's a total loser and then <laughs> and then the, the the ship captains that we have like murdoch and stuff like that and it, it, you know you just again you don't get a whole lot from them mhm but thomas andrews is like the one guy who's like ship staff who's who's connected directly to the titanic who is such a straight shooter and is mm-hmm. so does not have is not influenced by these ulterior mm-hmm. motives his yeah. concerns are safety right he's lamenting earlier on in the film that like i i'm not happy about the fact that we have so few lifeboats <laughs> yeah Right, some yeah. people like he's got a little bit of bitterness in his in yeah. his voice when he says like it was believed yeah. by some mm-hmm. that it would you know make the deck look crowded and and stuff like that and yep. yeah but Victor Garber's just 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 like no you have you have to get to a lifeboat but, mm-hmm. you know I'm doing this with or without your help but without will take longer <laughs> he's like okay well. Get, get out a pen and piece of paper because yeah it's such a convoluted it's like turn left then right yeah then at the take, second take the rock. elevator down to the did straight yeah. to the bottom you'll find yeah. a, a crew corridor that you know yeah. go down the corridor take a left <laughs> then a right then yeah. <laughs> you're like and Two you can lefts. see like the the look on rose's face is like i'm not retaining any of this <laughs> yeah i'll just keep yelling jack and running around yeah jack <laughs> yeah so that's i mean incredible cast Absolutely and, incredible cast. And I want to jump on your Victor Garber comment on a, for a second. You know, there's there's a mixture of things where, where you're portraying real-life individuals in this catastrophe. You know, there's a mixture of some, like Captain Smith, you know, there's speculation. We don't know exactly what happened. Some people say they maybe saw him doing this or that. And then there's some people, you know, where they say, you know, this person refused to go on a lifeboat and stayed with their spell. You know, there's this... There's a mixture of like confirmed eyewitness accounts, what some people did, and then some we just don't know, so we have to make it up. So as far as Thomas Andrews, I mean, who knows actually what the real individual was doing or thinking in this catastrophe, but I found it interesting that James Cameron went with the angle of just portraying such a humanized component or humanized character in Thomas Andrews, and it's not just that his role was to say, yep, the ship's sinking, we all need to leave, and then he just, he's gone. Yeah. Like, really, the human element really spoke to me in this last viewing, where he's, I think it's when there's the music montage of the band playing, but there's other times, too, where, you know, you just see him, and the ship is on such an angle that his coat is, is askew, and he's, you know, glasses are falling off ledges, and you can only, like, just... Con, con, you can only guess what, as an actor or this character, but as the real human being, had going through his mind. And kind of like what we just talked about with Captain Smith, by no way was this that individual's fault, but the way that character is portraying that 
moment, you're thinking that they just must have such immense regret, immense guilt for even just being part of it. Even if, you know, in this example, we said where he, you know, his ideas were opposed. It wasn't his idea to make a catastrophic mistake. He was, you know, up, he was outvoted. He was out, out told what to do, but still because he was, it was his project. He was so involved with it. And because he just had one of the many hands involved in this, James Cameron's decision to kind of go with this human element where you can just read the grief on this character's face and you can immediately just empathize with it completely going, you have no fault in this, at least in the way that you're portraying this. And, but you, by no means, can you just shrug it off and just go flee for your lives? Like you, you are, I, I just thought that human decision to portray that character in that way was an example of a really strong character. And it's not the only strong character in this film. It is worth, I, it, this doesn't really have anything to do with, well, I mean, it does. So <laughs> something, one thing about this, the film and a, a creative decision they made that has always not mm. rubbed me the wrong way. I don't, okay. I don't count it as a demerit, but it is something that I do often feel the need to clear up um, mm. just with like historical accuracy wise. Sure. Um, Bruce Ismay mm. does survive. He does get in a lifeboat and he right. does survive. But it's yep. not this like sneaky cowardice thing the way it's mm. portrayed in the movie. Yeah. Um, he spent a significant amount of time like hmm. getting women and children into lifeboats and hmm. like, yeah, acting, acting saving lives um, hmm. before saving his own. So, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, and there's something Ultimately, to be neither here nor there, but oh, and it's and and it's that complicated line too because you know James Cameron is trying to tell a story, and you know to a degree he's using that character as an archetype of you know some of the downfall and the hubris that led to Titanic being the way it is, and it's it's kind of a gray area, right? Because like you're saying, that's maybe not a true representation of a human being's full, sincere moments of intensity during an emergency, right? And, you know, it it does give kind of the wrong impression with what happens in the film of maybe not being the most accurate of, of what happens. So that's that's very an interesting point for sure. I, I yeah, I think I think the reason why I like to clear it up for people is only mm-hmm. because, you know, like I, I think creatively for the film doing it the way they do it serves the purpose it needs to. Absolutely. And so I don't and, like, and, and even in that moment, like when he's holding his breath, I'm holding my breath. And then when yeah. the boat goes low enough that he's out the field of vision of the, the, the crewman, he takes a breath again. And you're right, like dramatically it's used for a purpose. Yeah. I think the thing that gets me sometimes is I'm just like, you know, are the like this is this is somebody's grandfather. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, like the grandchildren Absolutely. or the great grandchildren mm-hmm. of Bruce Ismay that are alive today. Yeah. And their grandfather, great grandfather, is portrayed as this cowardice ass. Mm. Right. It, so it's it's yep. just like one of those yep. things where I'm like, ah, I see you. <laughs> like I, I yep. you know, I I wouldn't change I wouldn't change it in the film because I don't think there's really time for it, and I don't think we benefit from seeing Bruce help no. people. Yep. Like I think it it weakens that character from a storytelling sure. standpoint, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just like to acknowledge that mm-hmm. 
that that was it yeah. was a a slightly animated version of that character. Yep. No, that's so. fair. Let's talk that's about fair. 3D stuff though, because that's that's yes. I mean what we're here for. So mm-hmm. my my moments, the moments for me where the three, I mean it's like it's everything, but the moments where the 3D really wows you. <laughs> um, the underwater stuff where there's like particulates in the water. Uh, yeah. Right? Just these yes. like free floating, whatever they are, algae mm-hmm. plankton or just bit rusty bits of ship that have flaken off or, you know, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. That looks incredible. I already talked about the conversations, just sort of like this added depth in conversations. That looks incredible. Yes. Anytime that the camera pans up to give you a bird's eye view of both a part of the ship and the water some Mm. hundred feet or whatever it is below. Yep. Almost gives you this not in your stomach, I'm in a really high place (laughs) feeling. Mm Mm-hmm. Like specifically the first time it happens is when Rose is hanging off the back of the ship and she's considering jumping Mm -hmm. um, and the camera kind of pans up and or like pans goes up and pans down to show you her, the ship and then the water below. And it's just this like the depth feels real. Like it, it, it feels like there's this big distance that you don't get in the same way when you're not watching it in 3d um Mm -hmm. so that's incredible the other the other real moment for me i mean the 3d kind of comes and goes in its wow factors in the first half of the film Mm. it really becomes incredible and gets punched up once the sinking starts (laughs) just because there's so many different angles that are happening Mm. and big action pieces and stuff like that Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot more there to kind of wow you. Um, sure. But specifically, once the ship has sunk and we're in the water, barring one or two shots, James Cameron made a creative decision to shoot the majority of those shots at face level if you were actually hmm. floating in the water yourself, struggling in the uh... water. Like they're all... You know, there's one like a big panning shot that shows you just how many people are are right. struggling. But yep. aside from that, it's all like, you know, like some guy pulling Rose underwater and Jack mm. punching him and, and <laughs> them struggling to get over to the, the, the door to float on and all this stuff. And it's uh. all shot at face level. And because of that, it, it just something about it, it works so well with the 3D. Like it, hmm. it just has this like super immersive feeling. And hmm. as a result, as a result of it being so immersive, as a, as a result of this being a version of the film that sucks you in more and makes you feel more like it's actually happening and you're there and you're a part of the action. Any of the, a lot of the deaths, like people falling off the ship or again, once they're you know, once the ship is sunk and time has passed and the lifeboats have come back, and you see all these these frozen to death bodies, it hits in a different way Ugh. because it's just it's again, it's just it's a little more real. It doesn't 
quite feel the same as when you're just like looking at a screen. Yep. It's, you know, there's the body and it feels like it's that this, it feels like this sea of floating bodies Ugh, is just yeah. an extension to the room that you're sitting in watching this movie. Um, and it's, yeah, it just hits in this like really spectacularly horrible way. Um, but I say that as, I say that as a positive thing. I say that as like a, a, a merit to the film. So those, mm. th- those are the big 3D things for me. Um, yeah. But again, like just everything, like, you know, if you see a long corridor and you just see the shot down the like a long corridor of the ship, it's just, there's just so much depth. Like it just hmm. looks phenomenal. Oh. Yeah. In in every scene. There's not there's not a single moment. You go to see a regular 3D movie and some <laughs> scenes are like really incredible. And you're like, sure. oh wow, that looked really cool. Yep. And then there's a lot of scenes where you're like, oh, like this does not benefit from 3D. This is being hurt by it because my <laughs> eyes are struggling. There's either too much shaky cam going on, or there's this, that, and the other thing, and my eyes are really struggling to to translate the two images into one 3D image. And so I'm getting like, it's kind of dizzying and I'm mm. kind of seeing double in spots. Maybe it's a little blurry from time to time. Like it's not, mm. it's not this pristine image. Yep. There is no, there's no time that you're not supposed to feel dizzy in this movie that you end up <laughs> feeling dizzy. Like it's just... <laughs> It's just so, it's like every shot was, was, and I think that's the benefit of doing A, like you said, it was not intended mm. to be in 3D. Yes, and so, exactly. so the gimmicks aren't there. Yep. But yep. also, this is something, when you're shooting something with 3D cameras, you're just shooting it, and, and what you get is what you get. Whereas mm. this is like frame by frame. Oh, jeez. They're going through this oh. three-hour movie, frame Three by hours. frame. Three hours. Yeah, and that's making a lot of frames. decisions in every single frame about oh. the effect yep. and about what is going to be impacted by the effect and to what extent, <sighs> and therefore you just get this incredible product, incredible oh. product. One yeah. of the moments. So you talked about the the tea tea party scene, mm-hmm. um, but what are some other moments that really just like you were like stuck stood out to you? as mm. a different experience than if you had just been watching Titanic At home. in 2D. Yeah, you know, I think I will just stick with my example of, say, subtle dinner scenes, subtle conversations where I felt like I was there. Maybe not specific to 3D, but really some scenes that stood out were I think some of the nighttime backdrop scenes. Oh yeah, with all the stars. So that was one, 100%, where Leo is, you know, having a cigarette before the back of the boat incident. Oh, laying on the bench. Laying on the bench. And you just see him looking at the sky. Incredible. Which that sky's been changed, by the way. Oh. That is not the, okay. So that, if you were to pull up Mm-hmm. your DVD copy <laughs> okay. and pull up my Blu-ray copy mm-hmm. to the exact same timestamp and pause them on two screens side by side, they'd be different images. Interesting. Because Why? your DVD copy 
yeah. is a night sky. Okay. My Blu-ray copy and the version that we would have seen in the theater last week. Yeah. Is this night sky the way it would have appeared that night? What? In that location. What yeah, do you they, mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? Like, that is so insane. Yeah. <laughs> Which, because, that, I mean, that's technology that we have, right? Like, the night, sure. the night sky is constantly changing. Yeah. Um, they yeah. covered that. I don't think, did you watch, you didn't watch Moon Knight? No. So, one of the things in Moon Knight is they're like, mm. there's something about the sky needed to be the same as it would have been 3,000 right. years ago when the curse was first made, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so, they, okay. like, changed yeah. the sky. Right, yeah. stars like stars move through the, the galaxy. We move through our solar system moves through the galaxy, sure. and and the night sky just changes, right? Like depending <laughs> on the time of year and yeah. all kinds of things. And so, yeah, it was like, no, no, no this is the April t- April fourteenth, nineteen twelve sky night sky at this <laughs> I, part in the Atlantic. I will never fault a great movie for becoming more authentic or more real that's not, definitely not something that i thought needed improvement but i'm it's interesting it's just, it's just such least. a nice touch it's if fun. you can go in and you can do it in a way that's sure. not going to yep. hinder anything right it's not like a it's not like a george lucas thing where no now yeah. there's this massive cgi rock how did r2d2 even get back into that little <laughs> cave this is massive rock in his way <laughs> Right. right, it's this is just like yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that first nighttime scene would stick out. And the other thing I would say is I've always loved that artistic purpose of having the panned out shot during the sinking, where the ship is maybe one one hundredth one one hundredth the size of the screen, to show just how insanely massive the ocean is. And this massive ship with flares is just like a little speck that how, is yeah, just... Yeah, how truly in the middle of nowhere they are. How truly hopeless and in the middle of nowhere they are. And so visually, just from like a cinemata- cinematography perspective, beautiful shot. But from uh, moving the story along or conveying something, what a horrifying, chilling, effective scene. So that yeah. those two scenes just being on a theater 4K... Not necessarily that the 3D component really changed it. It didn't hurt it, but those two scenes on the big screen were phenomenal. What I always like to think about in those nighttime scenes is that, like, so there was no moon that night. Oh, it was a right. It was a yes. perfectly clear night, but for whatever I, I don't know, the moon was just I I don't know I don't understand how that stuff works, but there was no mm. moon. Sure. And so every shot in this film during the sinking, even the darkest shots are for the sake of it being a movie where you can actually see what's going on are about Hmm. three times brighter than they actually should be. Hmm. It was pitch black. (laughs) It was so, especially once the power went out on the ship and James Cameron, like one of the things, so, cause Hmm. they had all kinds of like historians on set, right? Sure. And James Cameron had to fight back and say, like, no, I need to add more lights. I need to put mm. more lights on the ship so that mm. we can light these scenes. One of them being mm. um, one of the sort of the one of the ones that would stand out the most would be the lights that sort of shine up on the smokestacks. Oh. Those wouldn't have actually been there. Interesting. Right. So I, they yeah. look incredible and it was the right move to do. 
to add yes. them for the film. Yep. Um, yep. But it w- it was pitch black, which is sure. why. So until we found the Titanic in the eighties, um, mm. one of the things like there were a lot of things that we debated and we weren't one hundred percent certain on mm. until we found the Titanic and we were able to to confirm these. And one piece, of those... To piece, piece things together, yeah. Yeah, and one of those was whether or not it actually did split in half. Right, yep. And because there were a lot of people who said, yes, yes, it did. <laughs> I, I was right. there, it happened. And there yep. were a lot of people who said, I was there, no, it didn't. No, <laughs> like it didn't. Like in any event where people can see different things from the same event. Because, it, yeah, and I, I watched a YouTube video where a guy kind of explains it. And it's like, okay, well, if you were in a lifeboat, Mm. And the lifeboats were rowing away from the ship because everyone was worried about the suction, right? Yeah. Everyone was worried that when the ship goes down, mm-hmm. our boats need to be away from from that. So people are rowing away. The power has gone out. So it's pitch black. You can't see the ship, right? If you're, if you're rowing yes. and you're 200 meters away... Yeah. You can't. You hear screaming. You hear. Mm-hmm. You you'd hear it split. But there's all yeah. kinds of like loud creaks. Like the ship's making oh. all kinds of noise as yeah. the steel is getting stressed from the weight and all of this yeah. stuff. And so that's yeah. one of the reasons why why that debate hmm. pursued on for so long was because there were people who were there <laughs> within a hundred feet, a hundred meters, yeah. whatever, of the yeah. Titanic Ugh. when it split. But it was just so dark and it was so loud and so much was happening yeah. that they didn't know that it split. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Ugh. There's a moment I want to ask you about. Sure. Because uh, this is really funny to me. Yep. So going into the movie, you, and this is probably much to do about nothing, but I want you to be honest. Sure. Going into the movie, you were, um, you declared, you made it very clear that, you know, you're, you have the bladder of a 92-year-old man. And that at some point, you're likely going to have to excuse yourself to go to the washroom. Yeah. And I told you that wouldn't be an issue for me. Like, I'm, I'm not going to have to go. And I didn't. Sure. You didn't. Um, but what was really funny to me, <laughs> and I think you know where this is going. I, maybe. What was really funny to me is you were like... You know, you were just like sitting there and there was like, I wasn't getting a peep out of you. And then all of a sudden, it was the clear beginning of the scene (laughs) where Rose is going to take her clothes off so Jack can draw her. (laughs) And the second that scene started, not even like the the nudity hadn't started. It was just like, it was the inside of the staterooms and okay, this is is the scene where it happens. You instantly turned to me and you're like, I have to pee. And you got up and you left. And I thought to myself, I laughed because I was like, was he holding it so that he could miss 3D naked Kate Winslet? Like, is 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 that like a thing that he's worried about? And then ultimately you came back. Oh, yeah. Before she yeah. even disrobed. So like you were still there yeah. for it. But yeah. it was just so fun. And then when you came back, I was like, is he kicking himself for coming back too soon right now? Like what? What? No. Happened? It just seems so funny to me that like of all the moments, like if you were to ask me at what moment in this film is Pete going to try to miss by excusing himself to go to the washroom, I'd be like, oh, it'd be the 
it'd be the scene with the nipples. I mean, like that's <laughs> that's the moment he's going to try to avoid if he's I, going to try to avoid a moment. So so I, un, unwrap this this parcel for us and help sure. me understand what two, two things what transpired. I, I did miss some of it, but I came back for I would say the majority of it. Okay, so that is. That is the first part. So I, I did come back for the majority majority of it. And I feel like it was just like a, it was, you know, 80% I did have to pee. But it was a decision I made. I think I maybe even DM'd you it ahead of time. You know, I was strategic about it. And I went, okay, a three and a half hour movie. I will want to pee. Like that. that's just how I roll. And so I thought, what's the most scene that I could get away with missing that like I'm okay with it you know it's not the estate rooms feeling like I'm there it's not looking over the propellers when the the Titanic is creaking or the lifeboat scene when you know everyone's floating there you know it was just like okay this I've seen it you've seen it we've all seen it you know I don't necessarily need to see every moment of it on the big screen and I ultimately did so it's not that I dislike the scene or didn't want to watch it. It's just, you know, you gotta, you gotta make your decisions and prioritize things. And that was my opportunity. And I stuck with it. All right. It was just so funny to me. It's like this, <laughs> like, Oh, yep. Okay. Right on cue. There it goes. We'll see you, we'll see you later. We'll see you when this becomes PG 13 again. <laughs> and then as soon as they went into the car and fogged things up, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go pee again. I got it. Yeah. Oh, Oh, shouldn't have, uh, shouldn't have had that popcorn. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Got the rumbles. Yeah, oh, it was so funny to me. It was so funny. Uh, do you have anything else? I, I actually have a few things that I do want to go through. Sure, yeah. So, chime in. I think the way I'll say it is I'm going to say what my opinion, what my experience is leading up to a question, and maybe an answer I've come to it, and then you can kind of weigh in Either if you have an answer for this underlying meaning or significance of the film, or you'll get what I'm saying. You're a human being. You you, you can interject when you need to. But I think the two things that I'm trying to juggle with what this film means is what is unique about it as a film, and what's unique about it is this tale that it's been telling. So when I look at this as a film, I would say The Two Towers in 2002, Top Gun Maverick, and this are my three... They're not all 3D, but they're my three most favorite movie-going experiences. And, you know, they all have very differing levels of storytelling on all the things that they're doing, but that's not the point. I'm just saying, this film, when I saw it the other day, it's ranking really high in my experience of seeing a film. That has never changed. I've always enjoyed Titanic. Just because something is about Titanic, though, doesn't mean it's going to be a good film. So, you know, this is my favorite Titanic-related film. And I've seen a ton. And we talked about some of the garbage I've seen. You know, I've seen Titanic. Rise of the Titanic. (laughs) Okay, listen, hold up. Rise of the Titanic is not good. (laughs) It's on my list. I'm glad we agree. good. But... If fundamentally, and maybe it just speaks to my desire that I just wish they could raise the Titanic in real life, but there was some romantic romanticism in when I watched that film going, you know what, it's dumb, it's 
kind of a side plot that the Titanic is involved, but it's still fascinating, just this concept. And even if it's not visually great, it's just the Titanic above water again. And there's something about that that I thought that was interesting. Titanic 2 is god-awful. We've talked about that in the past where it's just <sighs> so bad. Which, um, so, raised the Titanic, something interesting about that that we were kind of sure. talking about. So, we found the yeah. Titanic in September of 1985. Okay. Right! Raised the Titanic came out yes. in 1980. Yes. And part of what made that the notion or the premise right. even remotely plausible is right. that in that film... Mm-hmm. She's in one piece. She's in one piece. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've seen so I've I've seen other renditions of the Titanic disaster. So there's there was this movie from the 1979 called SOS Titanic. Okay. Which is interesting for two reasons. One, I found this out. It was the first Titanic film in color, and they actually recycled and used some footage from the famous film A Night to a Remember. A Night to Remember, yeah. But just colorized it. So I thought that was in some ways kind of corny, but at least it's a milestone of being the first color Titanic film. Well, with um, a budget of only five million, you gotta <laughs> And you know, it doesn't do as good of a job as Cameron did with like mirroring upper and lower class. Like it really is a staggered story of first, second, and third class and it interweaves and isn't isn't bad, but it isn't as powerful. The one interesting thing is that it has the actor from nineteen ninety seven who played Lovejoy, the the side henchman who's also kind of a douche. He was actually David the Warner? Lead- Yeah. He was the lead romantic interest in this nineteen seventy nine film. Beasley. Yeah. Ian Holm is in it? Yes. Helen Mirren is in it? Yeah. I I I watched this a Good fair gravy. amount when I was a kid. Okay, I'm I am adding that to the I mean I temper expectations like Oh sure. Yeah. Um and then obviously there's the famous A Night to Remember. I've seen it once, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. I, I honestly forget most of it. Um, I've seen a 1996 made-for-TV f- Titanic film, which stars Tim Curry and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so my point of all this long-winded of, I'm not just trying to brag of all the Titanic movies I've seen, but in, it's a humble brag. It's My point is, there's been a lot done on Titanic, so it's not like anything that just touches Titanic because of the subject matter is guaranteed to be good. So my point is, this film was a exceptional movie-going experience, and it's about an interesting subject matter, but it's just such a unique thing. So my question is, why is this film fascinating? Why is the event fascinating? And what's so unique about this film? And I wonder all this because, you know, an individual might say, you know what, Peter? It's because this movie was made for teenage girls and the Leonardo DiCaprio scenes, but love interest and the heartbreak, that is why it's different. But I go, you know what? Romeo and Juliet came out a year prior, and like that is the classic of all classic uh, tragedies and heartthrob material for teenage girls. And it had its success, and coincidentally, it drummed up the success for Titanic because I was reading an interview where that was released while they were filming, while they had cast Leo, and James Cameron was in a good way rubbing his hands going, hey, this will work great. Like he's His popularity is growing to one of our target on audiences. But my point is, 
you know, it's not just the DiCaprio heartthrob angle that makes this film different. And it's not even just the Titanic disaster film. Like, I don't know, when I'm thinking about this, like, there would never be a movie about September 11th where there's two 17-year-olds and, you know, of different class or distinctions. Like, I, I am just trying to pinpoint what is so unique about this film and this film's representation of the events. And the only answer that I could come up with, and I want you to weigh in and say, do you agree? Do you disagree? Is it something else? Is it 12 things that it's just each person has something different? The only thing I could come up with that it's just different and it does well is that it has this underlying message of choosing love in the face of fear. And I, this is not my thought. This is from someone else that I heard choosing love in the face of fear, whether it's the fear of death horrifyingly by the end of the film, or whether it's fear that you get from different class hierarchies and breaking boundaries and doing what you're comfortable with instead of what you're expected to do. And I, I ultimately, I, I heard this answer and that kind of appeased me that went, okay, maybe that's what separates Titanic because we've seen other love stories with Leonardo DiCaprio. We've seen other disaster movies. We've seen other well-made films of James Cameron's, but they are not taking me to the theater 25 years later to record a podcast episode about. And I found that answer that I came across, I found at least was a bit of checking off a box for me. What do you think about that? Uh, that could be part of it. I think, I think it's a number of things. I think it's, you know, there's the, there's the technical spectacle, which is this film. Fair. Right. There's the visuals and the, the level of filmmaking that was groundbreaking at the time. And in some ways is an art that's been lost, right? Because if that movie Mm. was being made today, so much of it would be green screen, so much of it, like they would not have built as much of an actual ship on Mm. these hydraulic gimbals so that they could (laughs) actually like change the angle of parts of the ship. Like, so part of it is that, Mm. Part of it is, yeah, it's just as much as people like to hate on the romance aspect of this movie, that's the aspect that humanizes it. That's the good. part that, yeah, that yeah. puts us in in this, we're able to witness the sinking through the eyes of Jack and Rose. Hmm. Um, two characters from two wildly different walks of life, mm-hmm. which A, serves as a powerful story, um, not only about breaking down the differentiation of classes, mm. yep. um, but also increases your ability as a viewer to find someone to be able to relate to. Right? Mm. So maybe you're watching this film. This film with Rose but not Jack is something that someone from a lower class, poor background can't mm. empathize with. And vice versa, right? This film with Jack, but no Rose, is something that if you're, you know, you've been, you you come from a silver spoon background, Mm -hmm. you can't relate on the same level. Hmm. So there's that. Then there's the um, the, sort of the the feministic view, which Mm. is that... She not only not only mm. is it about classes, but it's also about about gender mm. roles, big time, and gender roles specifically 
in this in this era in the 1910s yep. but a lot of it has not been cleared up hmm. even to today right so like one of the things that like she she they don't flat out say this but you can kind of piece it together it's not like like so hal or cal and rose are are fiancés mm-hmm. they're engaged but Cal didn't propose to Rose. <laughs> and Rose right. was so infatuated with him that she accepted. Right. I'm pretty sure Rose has been betrothed to him. Right. Because he's still trying to get her to, he's like, open up to me. He's trying right. to get her to fall in love that's, with him. That, I've never considered that. And that's quite, quite true. Right. This is a, this is, I'm rich. <laughs> And you're the girl I've chosen. Right. And as a rich man, oh, man, I get what I want. It's very much Gaston vibes from Beauty and the Beast. And I'm pretty sure the only person that Cal had to ask was Rose's <laughs> oh, parents. It's true. Mother, basically. Basically the mother, because the father's gone. Yeah. So he would have said, I'd like to marry your daughter. And Rose <laughs> would have gone, sorry, who? <laughs> And Ruth oh would have looked at, at Cal and looked at the money and how that could fish them out of the situation they were in and said, yes, yes, mm-hmm. you can marry my daughter. Yep. Right? Rose has got no no interest in this. Hmm. She's basically hmm. a tag along. Yeah, exactly. So She's there's the inconvenient a, part of this equation that's yeah, necessary. So that's, I mean, that's the part that, that in many ways has changed, absolutely. But there's yep. also a moment where, you know, when there's this conversation that happens between Rose and her mother, when her mother's like doing up the corset for her. Mm. And and she's, you know, she's saying like, I don't, I don't want to marry Cal. And Ruth is saying like, you know, he he's our best chance at survival. Like the money's gone. Mm. All we have is our yeah. name, blah, blah, blah. And, and she says, Rose says it's, it's not like this isn't fair and mm. ruth says of course it's not fair we're women hmm. and that's something that in many ways has not changed so that mm. still rings true and so that's it's true. it's just it's so it's so many layers right it's yep. it's the fact that no titanic film looks as good yeah oh no no titanic film has the same sort of drama like even titanic films that have been made since this because hmm. it's it's nothing that's been made since this is a big blockbuster film right it's stuff hmm. like titanic 2 where you know a tsunami throws an iceberg <laughs> into the wave um and so i it's just so many things it's an incredible cast who you can fall in love with it's hmm. It's the drama, it's the romance, it's the scandal of this forbidden love. It's it's the way that the sinking, the impending sinking is constantly foreshadowed. Ah, oh, we're mm. gonna we're gonna go faster. We're gonna do this. You know, it's super calm. That will make the bergs hard to see. Yes. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's just so it's pointing out. You know, little historical accuracies, but pointing out little things that also work really well for the storytelling, which is, you know, have has anyone, you know, did we end up finding the binoculars from the crow's nest? No, I haven't seen those since we left Southampton, right? And it's just like so good. I think what you're describing, I think another answer I might have is that 
I think is equally as Titanic as a significant component of this story. I feel it's just as equally just a backdrop for the story that's being told. It is absolutely. Things, yeah, like the the more relatable or the more transcending things that are being told that, you know, it would be, I'm not minimizing this at all, but you could tell them in a different setting and they'd still have the layers and it's just such a layered component to a, a horrific tragedy. Uh, yeah, I think the, that would the maybe film of The film of Titanic is... Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. set on a relatively historical setting, historically mm-hmm. accurate setting of this ship that sank. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not well, a movie tackling. it's not a movie specifically about Titanic. No, it's about no. a love story with different classes and forbidden love and, and yeah, tackling all these other aspects yeah. of good storytelling that is placed in this mm-hmm. really fascinating setting of this that plays like the ship sinking is not the focus it's a it's a set piece it's a plot point it's another hurdle it's a fork in the road right yeah absolutely so good there's a i just looking here at different titanic movies so you asked me which (laughs) ones i've seen yeah i've seen this one i've seen a night to remember i've seen raise the titanic and i've seen parts of titanic 2 sorry I, I want to stop you at Race the Titanic. One more t- tidbit. Um, Mr. Dikovich from Spider-Man 2 is in Race the Titanic, a much younger Mr. Dikovich. That does nothing for me. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off. What, was, not, what did you say after oh, that? Oh, actually, oh my God, really? I didn't know that. I'm <laughs> going to change my review instantly. <laughs> it's a 9 out of 10. Yeah, now. nine out of, yeah 10 out of 10. <laughs> Shit, Sorry, what did I'll you get, say I'll, after? I'm going to give it my first 11. I'm... I'm <laughs> Put that um, in 3D. So I've seen those. Next to Titanic, though, like n- none of those others would make my top three. What does no. make my top three is stuff like the James Cameron documentary, where they go Ooh. back and yep. and kind of test some of the accuracies of you know, like let's let's debunk some some myths, some mysteries. Let's find out for sure if the way that we portrayed it is actually mm. accurate, like. Right. There's an incredible documentary from just a couple of years ago like that. Um, hmm. There's also a documentary series out right now. It's a television series um, that's that's airing right now, um, which is a scientific expedition done by James Cameron. Um, and one of the things that he tackles in this is, okay, scientifically, let's put to bed once and for all, could they both have gotten on that door and survived? <laughs> right. You know, um, but there's, so I was looking through a list of Titanic films and there's a new, there's one that I had not seen before, Okay, um, came out in 2022, came out just last year. Huh. Um, and I would like to, I'm, I, I'm not going to like force you to watch it. Oh, uh, yeah. But I'm going to task you with it. I think it's something, it? It, so it's what called, it's called Titanic 666. Oh, no, I've read this. This is the dumbest piece of crap on Earth. Dark forces from the deep rise to the surface, terrorizing all aboard from Titanic 3 and threatens to repeat one of history's greatest disasters. Yeah, they've skipped that. Like, it's like, no, Titanic 2 has existed in this storytelling universe. This is number three. Yeah. Yeah. That's so bad. Uh, wow. Oh. That's yeah. <laughs> something that like ends careers. 
That's, that's someone who's like, I'm just, I'm trying to get into acting and I just kind of want to act and like, you know, I just, whatever I can get my foot in the door with. This, sweetheart, this was a mistake. This is your first and last acting, acting job. Credit. Oh, man. Oh, like oh, what in the... Yeah, and I'm looking at I'm looking at like the IMDb of the casts that were on, and it's like Please nothing, no. nothing, none of these people are in anything else that I've ever heard of. Which I guess is probably a good thing because you wouldn't want to go from like, oh yeah, this was the guy. Okay, right, he was in the Green Mile, and now he's doing Titanic six six six. Like that's not what you want to see. Yeah, you want to you can only go up from there. Yeah, Nation, um, condemned. A couple things I'm going to quick run through while you uh, find a way for us to rent Titanic six six six. Oh, I found one. Yeah, we can we can watch it tonight. <laughs> oh, great! So I'm so pumped. Um, I did come around. I think at times I've always been critical of the love story. Um, not that I disliked it, but I think it's just been the whole. You know, yeah, they say they love each other, but they've only known each other for 48 hours. And yeah, you know, they may have feelings for each other, but they're really just juvenile. And honestly, if the Titanic hadn't sank, I think it may have just been a 50-50 if it had lasted long term. I agree. But something, but some, but no, but actually it changed my mind when I watched this. I went, you know what? I've never before thought this way but i i buy it now when she says i love you when he's dead and they part ways tragically you know going through that much of a near-death experience in her case and a death experience for him and that survival on the raft together you know i've always scoffed at it that i love you but this time when she delivered that line i was convinced of it you know i went you know what i get it i think i've overlooked the human element of that before and i think maybe in that circumstance that I can buy it. You know, Jack is the first person who has ever shown an interest in what Rose wants. Right. Yeah. Right. So even like when she when she's in the lifeboat and she jumps back out of the lifeboat, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes and he he, he calls her stupid. Mm-hmm. That's kind of she kind of says like, but he, that's kind of it. He calls her stupid for doing what she did. But doesn't at like at no point does he tell her what to do. He doesn't reprimand her for it. Yeah, right. And she yeah. says like she just says like I, you jump, I jump. Like I couldn't go, I couldn't do this without you. And yeah. and he yeah. goes okay. It not necessarily because he agrees, but because he respects that that's the decision she's made. And so for a seventeen year old who has only ever been told how you're going to dress. Yeah. How you're going to act. Yeah. Who you're going to marry. Yeah. This is revolutionary. It's her. it's as real as 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 any love is ever going to be. Like it's yeah. it's this yeah. incredible. And you know what? Would they have stood the test of time? Would if he had lived to 101, would they still be together? I don't know, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But part mm-hmm. of it is that like, you know, when she says he exists now only in my memory and Ooh. she's still pining after him all these years, it's because yeah. it's it's she's not necessarily even pining 
for him. Romantically. She's pining for that love that they shared for two days. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think related to that, I think a lot more human emotion was conveyed for me in this viewing. And this is where it bleeds into like, you know, there's a film, but then maybe also the real human beings in this circumstance kind of spoke to me. But just the survivors, because it was a chaos enough just to get a spot on a lifeboat, but just the survivors in the lifeboat where the for like maybe a 10%, you've got an, like a relief that you're on this lifeboat, but just mixed with A, the horror of just listening to screams for three hours, and then this incredible uncertainty of just waiting, waiting and hoping that a ship comes, that you're not just lost at sea. Yeah, because all this time, like the, Carp- the Carpathia is on its way, Sure. Um, and anyone who's fascinated by Titanic stuff, I actually mm. would encourage you to seek out, see if you can find a documentary or read some some facts about mm. the adventure that the Carpathia goes on from the time oh, really? that it, it discovers. Oh, yeah. Like it has to, it passes <sighs> another ship that is like ice locked. Like it's basically <laughs> at this Frick. point, at this point, it is, it is speeding in the same dark water on the same oh, moonless night through hmm. the same ice field yeah to try to go it's risking its own well-being hmm. to go and try to save these passengers and not knowing hmm. what it's going to arrive to Jeez. yeah no it's it's because you know like oh. about 30 to 40 minutes before the titanic actually flounders oh. they they're they're signal goes out right there's no more communication from right. the titanic so nobody even know yep. like nobody's getting status updates anymore mm-hmm. oh yeah no the the carpathia story is actually really fascinating i would recommend oh someone that deep would dive into that, that would be interesting speaking of radio silence like or you know signals not coming i think that's another human element of just being in the radio room trying to just send distress messages i like just hoping for a response and every time just other than the Carpathia, which they did respond, but you're hoping for something more immediate, more close, more definitive. And just every time, just nothing, just silence. That would be excruciatingly demanding and, and stressful and, and heartbreaking. That's another, and, I, yeah, ugh. that's another thing I would encourage. There's just so many things I could encourage people <laughs> to look into. But the story of yeah. Jack Phillips and, and uh, right. Harold Cot- Cottom, Cottom okay. Um, okay. who were the wireless operators. Um, mm. And what they like, uh, it was just—it's just incredible. Like how long? And some of this mm. is shown in deleted scenes. Yes, yes. You can dive yeah. in and see some d- deleted scenes. Yeah. Um, but just because in the long... movie itself, I don't think the movie itself really delves into them that much. No, the deleted no. scenes do a bit more. But they were there. They were there until the end, and mm. and really yes. doing everything they could. To, like they sacrificed themselves yes. to yeah. try to save everyone else. Similar yeah. to, um, and it's not really talked about, they don't dive into it, but they do show. And if you can piece it together, like right before mm. the power goes out and the, the ship splits, yes. yeah. you see workers flipping switches trying to keep the power on. And there yeah. were there were people who, who should have, could have gotten out much earlier and maybe yeah. stood a chance but yep. stayed and committed themselves to trying to keep the power on as long as they could. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's crazy. Crazy stuff. Crazy. And I think just the human elements that 
are also just kind of overlooked because it's just a brief glimpse in time, but just the trauma that I can't even imagine stepping on a boat again after surviving something like that. And I, I was reading about one survivor, Ruth Becker, who was 12 at the time, didn't yep. get on a boat until she was, well, I don't, uh, I'm trying to do the math. She waited until 1990. So I guess that would make her probably 90 years old. Um, but yeah, she, you know, I can't even imagine the trauma of overcoming something like that. And uh, yeah, just the human element. I think the human story really stuck out to me when I watched this too. Just because even when you watch disaster movies, you know, I'm thinking of maybe movies where flights go wrong and people are critiqued about their decision making. And, you know, it's easy to critique when you know in 2020 hindsight of how much time there was and what would have worked and what wouldn't have worked. And, you know, James Cameron can explore all these things that are interesting and there's no pressure and you can, you know, explore all all avenues and realize, you know, A isn't an option, B is not an option. Just the human element of making a call being like, no, this ship is sinking. Contrary to what everyone is saying, like even when I say this, Bruce Ismay is like, what, you crazy fool? And just making a definitive decision of, no, it is going to sink, yeah. and we all need to get off this boat. I love and that just, line. She's made yeah. of iron. I'm sure you, yeah. she can. I'm sure you, she can. She I think will. just that element of just going against the the the, the belief of others and just yeah. being like, no, we need, like, this is happening. He says, he says it's Ugh. a mathematical certainty. Yeah. And it is like, again, you can watch so much, like dive into so much, but like Mm -hmm. the, the architecture, like the, the several little things that could have changed. So yeah, like the first, it was designed so that the first four bulkheads could flood and it would stay afloat. It'd be, it's probably not finishing its trip. Like there's still someone coming to, and so, and that's, that's one of the fascinating things, right? As Mm. had they tried to reverse the propellers to slow themselves as much as they could. Like ultimately uh, there's a bunch Mm. of things. There's like the way that some of the riveting was done. um, There was not putting the double side, like it had a double Hmm. bottom. The ship had a double bottom, but it Hmm. didn't have double sides. So literally Mm. on, on the other side (sighs) of this like half inch thick steel or inch thick steel was the ocean. Okay. The bottom had a double side. Or the bottom hmm. had a it had a double bottom on it, so basically okay. it could scrape along the bottom, open itself up, and the, the this bottom compartment would flood, um, hmm. but it'd be okay. But it right. it didn't go all the way up the sides, which is something that now is done as a result of Titanic. Um, hmm. There was a fire that was burning in one of the boiler right. rooms, like even yes. from the time they set sail. Um, that they were aware of and they were fighting. And so like potentially that weakened some steel a little, we don't know. Sure. Um, But ultimately what sank Titanic was that they sideswiped it, was that it it went down the side and punched holes in it. Okay, yep, yep. Right? So like tore big holes in some of the first couple of compartments and literally the hole in the fifth compartment was tiny. Not like mm. not like the size mm. of a quarter, sure. But maybe in the grand scheme of things, maybe the size of like a a, a basketball, sure. Wasn't a big hole, but it didn't matter because sure. there was no way of stopping that, and it was the oh, fifth geez. compartment, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. like, interestingly, had 
the Titanic hit the iceberg head on. Right. It would have really euchred the front of the ship. Like, they would not have been going anywhere. You would definitely be waiting for ships to come. But potentially no one would have died. Like, it would have stayed afloat. (sighs) Oh. It was trying to get around it. Right. That caused them to just, like, bear... And really, there was no head-on collision, which means they just barely Barely. didn't make it. Yeah. And caused it to, to... rip all these holes in the side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Fascinating crazy, stuff. Crazy stuff. The one thing I'll wrap that up with, and um, two things. So I'm going to just say a last quick thought on the on the, the film. And then in the interest of time, I'm going to, I don't have a trivia question, but I've got, I'll limit it to about a minute or two of just rapid fire stuff that I just want to share with you that I think is interesting. But I think the ending of this film is great. I wouldn't change anything about it. My two thoughts are, I I would just love to see more development on Rose's life past Jack. And we do see it in f- pictures, so I don't think it would actually be a better movie as a result of it, but I think it'd be so much fun. An Is, interesting it, thing about one of those pictures. Okay, which one? So you see the picture, you see that she like became a pilot and like flew yes. planes and all this stuff. Actor. Yeah. And you see... Her sit, you see her, Actually, and sorry, and in these pictures, there's no kids and no spouses, they're just all no, pictures no. of yep. her she her. brings everywhere, and she, <laughs> which she's, is weird, she's riding on a horse, yeah, one leg on both sides, one leg on both sides, and which a lot mm. of people look at and they go, Oh, and like that was that was one of the things that she promised she was gonna do, right? That they yep. were going to do, yeah, what a lot of people miss. Is in the background of that image mm. is a yep. roller coaster. Yes, the pier. Which she was going to, they were going to ride roller coasters till they threw up. Threw up, yeah. So, yeah, she really did go on and like mm-hmm. live this full life yeah. that he afforded her. Because yeah. had he yeah. not, had, had none of that happened, Rose would have survived still. She would have likely gotten in a lifeboat mm-hmm. and likely would have married Cal. Right, because she was, it was the boat with her mother, right? So, yeah, nothing would have changed for her. She would have gotten that that lifeboat with her mother and Molly, and and Cal would have still weaseled his way onto some sort of (laughs) boat, some situation, right? Because Cal ends up killing Mm. himself during the Great Depression. Like, he he survives Titanic, no problem. Yeah. (laughs) No problem. Yeah. And he's like, oh, all all my money's gone. There's no point. He's got a child, so. Yeah. Um, I think I think the tone is perfect at the end of this film. And I there's some people who love the alternate ending. I think it's fun, but I think it would have really detracted from the the vibe that the end of the film was going for. I'm okay with the alternate ending up until they all start laughing inexplicably like <laughs> ridiculous maniacs. Like it's just not a believable Right. It's almost like this semi slow motion Right. Like a three quarter speed. <laughs> like it feels it's the same laughter from the end of Return of the King in Rivendell. And it's like, what is so effing funny? What is going on? Alright. In the interest of time, I will look at the clock and I'm gonna l- limit it this to two minutes. Okay. Some crazy stuff. I just had to share, because when else will we talk about Titanic, if not now? So bullet point interesting things. 
fascinating that I, I, I got it. I was at the library with my kids before I start. This doesn't come for my two minutes. And I found this cool book of Titanic trivia. And no regrets. It was totally from the kids section. But I was like, whatever. I'm totally checking this out with like the Peppa Pig books we're getting. But there's this girl in Ireland who, if not the exact same night, uh in such close proximity to the night of Titanic sinking, or before, it wasn't after, a Scottish girl named Jessie Sari, or Siri, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, had a vision of a boat sinking and someone playing the fiddle. And she had some type of scarlet fever or some type of ailment. And so within the, she had this vision, and within hours of her own death, um, she also had this this visions of Titanic sinking in proximity to the Titanic sinking. And you just go, okay, maybe this is 80% fiction. Maybe this is 0% fiction. That obviously changes it. But man, if there's any ounce of truth to this, how spooky and eerie. And um, I guess related to that, there's another point where there, like a novelist wrote a story quite similar to the Titanic and a lot of details about the ship. And even the captain were quite similar. And then 20 years later, this author went on the Titanic. The Titanic happened and he perished. So like there's just in life, but specifically with those stories, there's just weird things where if you just got to scratch your head and wonder what is going on. This is bizarre. This is surreal. Um, and if there's truth to some of them, it's it's uh, truth is stranger than fiction. Um. The tainted chowder during the filming of this film was wrong with uh, a little PCP. I mean, <laughs> I just found out about this yesterday. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I, I for, debated bringing it up in the podcast, but I was like, I yeah, I don't know if it's. <laughs> I yeah. will bring it up for the listener who may not know this. Like I didn't forty eight hours ago. Eighty five members of the crew stormed a Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Canada emergency room because they had all eaten chowder that was laced with PCP and they were tripping pretty hard. Sounds like a good amount of PCP. Like I don't I don't oh, have any PCP knowledge, so I don't know how much it do takes. I. But it sounds like they were pretty messed up. Yeah. And um, just apparently Cameron thinks it was someone trying to get back at a caterer because obviously after this, they fired the caterer. So right. they think that was maybe the motivation. What's um, amazing about this story, though, is that Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. who was also affected by the PCP, went to the hospital as well. Jeez. Didn't want to, like, there's just lines and lines and. Like, <laughs> So he went, he walked back to the set, <laughs> drank half a case of beer. <laughs> what a guy. And just like toughed it out. <laughs> and then it was fine. Yeah. The 90s, man, the 90s. Uh, there was this example of the Hart family, a family immigrating to Canada. And the wife of this family thought, Titanic being labeled unsinkable was flying in the face of God. So through the whole trip, she would actually stay awake during the night and sleep during the day because she just was on edge the whole time. And coincidentally enough, a huge disaster struck and she was ready. And unfortunately, a member of the family died, but herself and her children survived. It's a good thing the disaster happened at night. (laughs) Right? Like. All disasters happen at night. I must, yeah. Yeah, obviously we'll be completely safe during the day. 
Yeah. Uh, just something interesting I read, and uh, just about the signaling, the flares that went off. And apparently, I, I'm not as up to date on all the James pa- uh, Cameron uh, documentaries, so this was news to me. I guess there's some new evidence that when the the crew members were starting off flares, they could thought they could see lights in the distance, but no one was responding, obviously, yep. through the wireless. And new evidence suggests that one theory is maybe that some people were illegally hunting seals. And so, again, I just found that so fascinating, just uh, oh, the horrific element of people being within reach to a degree, and just uh, it didn't, yeah. a it lot didn't of, turn a, out. A lot of survivors talk about having yeah. seen a ship on the horizon that just never oh, came. Right. Just... Yeah. Chilling, really. Yeah. Um, just another contrast of first and third cra- class. Third class had to eat in shifts because the dining hall wasn't large enough to accommodate them all at the same time. <laughs> oh man. Yep. Something fascinating that. Well, because the 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 price of like a first class ticket was like oh. in modern day, it's like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Sure. Right? Yeah, just, so I mean that makes sense just purely from like if you and I were going yeah. on the Titanic today, we would both be booking third class tickets. Third class, oh yeah, which was still something like seventeen thousand dollars. Like it was still right. Like I don't know where these people came cheap. up with this money. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you have to save, and maybe you overextend yourself, right? Like that is your ticket to to your America, and you're yeah. never coming back. You're never coming back. Um. Just yeah, Fabrizio did not plan on returning. That was <laughs> Fabrizio. Yeah. His accent was a little forced. Um, the amenities, I think, are just fascinating. Just to actually think about the time and just the fact that there were fresh cut flowers on a daily basis. And even just looking at menu items. And it's just, you know, when you think about these things where if I go to a hotel in 2022, it's like no big deal. Who cares? old news but just in 1912 to have the amenities like this on a moving ship just you just have to put yourself in the time and place and it's just it's incredible you got to feel bad for the poor crew who stopped getting paid the moment the titanic sank so if you were in the minority sadly of people who survived that worked on the ship you were like they were in financially dire situations where they had to like rely on emergency shipwreck pay from other organizations just to get home because the white star line was so cheap and cut off their pay like the second the boat sank so yeah like the uh, crew are not well off people these are not no! first class people no i mean <laughs> not you at know all. maybe like murdoch murdoch's probably doing all right sure and sure Captain but I'm Smith thinking like probably Cole, wealthy, Cole but. Shuffler number three or Chambermaid oh, yeah, number no. four. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're screwed. Yeah, the guy that almost loses his legs when the... Oh, dear. Which also, so by the way, that guy would have lost his legs. So the way those Why? doors were oh, actually designed is shoot. that they would come down <gasps> slowly, oh. except for like the last foot and a half. When they would insane. When they would like guillotine down. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and Which, I, there's again, some like safety reason. There was some like engineering reason uh, why that was the ideal way to do it. Sure, um, but yeah, that guy would have been screwed. <laughs> and again, twenty seventh time we've seen this film. Oh, it's still it's in still the theater. I'm like grabbing my chair, like he's uh, gonna make it. Yeah, <laughs> the answer this time no. he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, this time he doesn't. Last little piece of tidbit: Nurse Jessup, one of the lucky survivors of Titanic. This chick had a 
tattoo of a four-leaf clover on her back, I tell you. There were three sister ships. Wow. Titanic. Like, at the time? At the time. Along with the... She had a barbed wire tattooed around her biceps, too. Oh, okay. You're just you're just screwing with me, no, right? I'm just screwing with you. Okay. I was there, like, there man, was... a tattoo <laughs> no, on no. a woman in no. 1912 is Badass. pretty progressive. Yeah. Um, one of the lucky survivors... Because there were three sister ships, the Britannica, the Titanic, and the Olympic. The Titanic sank, the Britannica sank, and the Olympic eventually sank, but of the three, it actually lasted the longest. Like, the Britannica and Titanic obviously sank real quick. It goes Olympic, on to be a warship. Olympic, yeah. Olympic, I think, lived long, long enough to be involved then in the Second World War, I'd, I'd assume. Yeah, it gets and, painted white eventually. Yeah. And it's, so, a, it's a medical ship. Medical ship. So, yeah, it was a passenger ship converted in the wartime. My point is, this chick, Nurse Jessup, survived all three. So, most people would get off Titanic and say, not till I'm 90 am I going on another boat. This I'd chick went on a- suing White Star Line at this point. <laughs> she went on th- all three of them, survived all of them, and just- she, and, and not only said, you know what, burned me three times, that's, that's it, I call it quits. She worked on ships till she retired in, her, in the 1950s. So, this yeah. woman had a pair of- She was, yeah. She, she was- gutsy. She gutsy. had a pair of guts- yeah. What do you think? And that that is all I have. So then we will just go into our rankings when I'm well, I just want to I want to put one thing to I want to ask you. No, I I want to just jump back. Okay. What do you think about all these peculiar things of like authors writing things of events that happened Titanic or like anecdotal stories of women waking up with like feverish dreams and then dying and predicting the Titanic? Like what do you do you buy those things or are you just kind of like hey hokey? I uh, you know, it's one of those things where everybody, you know, no, I think everybody, nobody wants to be a survivor on the Titanic and not have an interesting story to tell. Sure. And so I think, it, yeah, everyone's got their own little claim to fame. Sure. Yeah. And even, even, yeah, I think that's just human nature too. Even if it's just people claiming things that I was in Jamaica when this happened, you know, this vision. People, yeah. people see what they want to see. People think what they want to think. That's fair. Yeah. The shark was ten feet long, <laughs> and really it was six. Right? Yeah. Like it's just right. Yeah. Yep. You embellish yeah. and you. The Titanic didn't split in two. It did. Exactly. People, yeah, people exactly. misremember things. Yeah. Uh, I want to put one thing to bed. Finally, sure. once and for all, and I think we've talked about it probably in our two previous Titanic podcasts, but <laughs> once and for all, okay. because there's a lot of debate out there on the internet, and I think sure. it's stupid. Okay. There's a lot of people, so the very last shot of this film. Yes. Oh. There's okay. the debate. Yes. On whether or not Rose dies after throwing the heart of the ocean into the water. Sure. And that what we're seeing in the end is Rose's titanic heaven, her okay. version of heaven. Yep, yep. Or is Rose merely sleeping and she's having a dream that, I mean, the dream would kind of make sense that that's something you would dream about. You just spent all day reliving and talking about <laughs> and thinking right. about all these memories. Yeah. Rose dies. That is, that is the definitive, and I'll tell you why. 
Okay. For two reasons. One is it's better storytelling. It is. Right? That, that Sadder. That's but... what she was holding on to. She had this thing to complete, and she completed it. And we see that happen all the time. All the time. There are people who are like, you know, mm. my great-grandmother. My great-grandmother was on her deathbed. She was in the hospital. She was very, 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 very sick. And mm. she was holding on longer than it made sense for her to hold on. Mm. Because her son, my grandfather, was flying home from this trip and mm. and he got there and he saw her and he said goodbye to her and like half an hour later she was dead. Mm. Right? So people hold on to, not that in this movie Rose is like near death and dying. No, or no Whatever. No. But yeah. the other reason why this is the Titanic version of heaven and not just some dream is because everybody at that like wedding ceremony thing that happens. Hmm. A is someone who died on the Titanic. They're all people yeah. who didn't survive. And B, 80% of them are people Rose had never met. <laughs> and so she's certainly not having dreams about them. <laughs> right. Okay. That is, the, I just wanted to put it to bed. Yeah. It's the better ver. It's the better story. And, it being a dream just doesn't make any logical sense. It she's dreaming about and these ship captain or ship officers and stuff. And she's no idea who these people are. No, they're, this is this is a, a special place in heaven where yeah. the people who passed away now spend eternity on the ship that killed them. That's heaven, <laughs> right? And I understand that is the better story. And there's the little asterisks there that's like what about rose's actual real life husband what about her grandkids what about the other people in her life that she loved like there's there's that angle of it too but i think you're right like i don't think she's just sleeping and having a dream no and you know what though like i don't doubt that she loved her that she loved mr calvert when she got Mm -hmm. married and that she she didn't have a wonderful family but she did those things because she promised Jack that she would. Sure. Because that was the life that that Jack wanted for her. Mm. And and so Yep. You know. Yeah. And and she was. She was his she was it's it's okay to have. Like I you know, I I think there's this delusion that like, you know, oh, the person the person that you're with is like the love of your life and they're, you know, you know, what some people are very happily married, will spend their whole life very happily married, but still have the one that got away. Mm. Like it's this yep. just it is what it is. There's life and love and all of these things are so complex and so complicated and so you know, like it's 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 not a fairy tale situation. Hmm. So yep. Yeah, cool. Uh, scale of zero to ten, how would you rank Titanic three D? Um, is this sounds perfect- so tacky when you say that Titanic three D three D four K now with more explosions? <laughs> Michael Bay. Uh, is this film perfect? I was going into this theater watching experience trying to answer that when I. Last watched it, which was in episode fifty, I gave it a nine point four out of out of ten. I went weird and did a decimal, and I'm not doing that this time. It's a story of so many genres, and I would give the first half a ten out of ten. The fact that it's a period piece, I love nineteen twelve. The character studies are incredible. The romance is good. 
it's fun. So the first half is exciting. The second half, I'd probably give an eight out of 10. Still incredibly good. But the whole life is short message with Rose at the end, you know, it is melancholic. You know, you see that she did do these wonderful things, but it's still sad when she passes away. And then obviously the, the, the incredible disaster that occurs. So the second half is good. It's just depressing. So I fell right in the middle. I gave it a nine out of 10. I, I'm th- I was really considering giving it a 10 overall and The the real reason I just kind of hokeyed around about giving it a 10 or not giving it a 10 is it's not perfect to me. I thought of some things that I disliked and the the soundtrack is amazing for the most part. I think I'm a little bit over some of the riffs of this Gaelic or Irish flute melody that's used throughout the movie. And the the 90% of the soundtrack I love, that part of it just doesn't work for me anymore. And some of the writing, I think, is just a little bit lazy at times or a bit too convenient where, you know, you have moments where Rose is in a room with every famous person on this ship where, you know, hey, Captain Smith is showing us his his stopwatch and he's giving us the, the behind the scenes tours here. So it's a little minor nitpicky things. And so I could maybe still be convinced to give it a 10 out of 10 just on the merit of it being a masterpiece. But I, I settled on a 9 out of 10 being uh, an incredibly, incredibly fun film, incredible to see in theaters. I would see it in theaters again, and it's still a rock-solid movie in my books. What do you give it out of 10? It's as it's as 10 out of 10 as it gets. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's to me, it, it, it is a perfect film. Um, yeah. And I will, like, I can defend, we, I won't get into it, but I could defend yeah, yeah. those moments, right? Like... To me, it does make sense that if you are one of the wealthiest people on the ship, that part of, you know, part of what you've paid for this ticket is that you're going to get to see the wheelhouse and you're going to get to see, potentially, you know, that that's just part of, part of what is the VIP package. The Um, VIP package. But uh, no, it's, it's undoubtedly a 10 out of 10. It's, it's, (laughs) I think, you know, as I've made clear in the past, Mm from a technical standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, from from just the accomplishment of what this film did, not only behind the scenes, but just like, mm. just, just the way it all came together. I do believe it's quite possibly, if not certainly, the greatest film ever made. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, and that's not to say, again, it's, I'm not saying it's my favorite. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'd have to sit with that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, I can say, oh, you know, my favorite, I'm not into (laughs) hockey, but my favorite or baseball, you're into baseball. I recently went to go see a baseball game with you accidentally. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) you know, I can, I can say this is my favorite baseball player. Hmm. Yep. But I think the greatest baseball player of all time is so and so. Sure. And that's and that's yep. what this is. I think it's yep. the greatest film of all time. I, I don't know if it's my favorite. If it's certainly top three, it's probably top two. There's a good chance it's number one. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's ten out of ten for sure. For sure. Very like cool. like I would I would I don't feel I don't want to do improper fractions, but I would I would <laughs> I would venture into 11 out of 10 if that was because it is. I just, I can't picture a better time at the movies than, than this. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair. That's fair. (gasps) Wrap it up, sir. 
Perfect. Well, thank you for joining us. Please like, follow, subscribe. Check out the links below. Um, leave us a good rate and review. Uh, check out our Patreon page. It's a way for you to help support the show. It's where we uh, give you various perks for the various tier levels that you join us. And it's also ways for us to uh, thank you by giving you the occasional bonus content, the occasional video content, the uh, occasional input for uh, giving us voting options as well. To uh, uh, We're letting you tell us what we review and what we we, we should uh, talk about. So A buck a uh, month. Check. As little a buck as a, a month. buck a month. As low as a buck a month, you can help pay for the coal to fuel the boilers of the ship of the Movie Men podcast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Until and merch. Did you talk about merch? We have merchandise as well. We got merch. Not, ti- not Titanic-themed merch. Not yet. But not yet. <laughs> and until we do this again in 25 years. We better. <laughs> we had better. Man. What will they do? <laughs> Titanic 40. 5K. Well, well I, yeah, I mean, they could easily do like an 8K, whatever, but like 5D, 4D. 5D, where there's just actual actors and you're on a boat. I would see this movie in D-Box with the rumbly seats. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The sinking portions of it be incredible. Incredible.